We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. Uh, It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, if we haven't met before, my name is Colin. I'm the pastor here at Branches, and Carrie and Michelle and I and the rest of the team are just so grateful that you're here, especially during this Advent season as we prepare our hearts uh, for Christmas. And so we're in the series called Something's About to Happen. It's right there uh, on this gigantic screen that just got installed this week. Uh, we're stoked about that. And also, shout out to the media team, yeah, and to Carrie for making it happen. Um, I can't wait to put so many embarrassing pictures up there. Uh, So yeah, uh, excited about that. Not of anybody else, myself, how about that? Uh, We're in this series called Something's About to Happen, and it's this spirit of expectation of what God's going to do, what he did 2,000 years ago, what he's going to do in the coming years, what he's going to do with us, what he's going to do with branches, what he's going to do in our families and with us individually. And so we look at this Advent uh, wreath together, and last week we talked about hope. Tom and I had a conversation about what it means to hope, and this week... We're talking about peace, and we get this really specific vision of peace from this prophet from thousands of years ago named Isaiah, and he says this in Isaiah 11. Hear this. A shoot will grow up from the stump of Jesse. A branch will sprout from his roots. The Lord's spirit will rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of planning and strength, a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. He will delight in fearing the Lord. He won't judge by appearances nor decide by hearsay. He will judge the needy with righteousness and decide with equity for those who suffer in the land. He'll strike the violent with the rod of his mouth. By the breath of his lips, he'll kill the wicked. Righteousness will be the belt around his hips and faithfulness the belt around his waist. The wolf will lie with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion will feed together and a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together, and a lion will eat straw like an ox. A nursing child will play over the snake's hole. Toddlers will reach right over the serpent's den. They won't harm or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain. The earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, just as the water covers the sea. On that day, The root of Jesse will stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations will seek him out, and his dwelling will be glorious. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this vision, this picture you've painted for us of this peaceable kingdom you want to create. We thank you for the specificity of it for the calling it places on each of our lives. And most of all, we thank you for the one, the little child who will lead us into it. Help us see him, experience, know him, become more like him, so that we may dwell in that glorious kingdom with you forever. Amen. Last week, I kind of made the point and kind of put my stake in the ground that the story of Advent and what Advent teaches people who follow Jesus is that we tell history backwards. 
that we begin with the end in mind. That as Christians say, Jesus is the alpha and the omega, or he's the A to the Z, and we begin at Z and see how it all turns out, this expectant hope that Jesus will make all things right, and we work our way backwards. We're like, okay, we're far from that. (laughs) Or our world doesn't look like that. Or we see glimpses of it. Or how can I participate in seeing that come to fruition? We tell the story backwards. And so this week in thinking about peace, I wanted to look kind of, okay, at that story backwards. Like, where does Jesus as an adult land when it comes to peace? And that's kind of a quality that we might describe Jesus with, that he was peaceful, he was compassionate and kind, he was a warm presence to be around, that he was a peaceful person. And even non-Christian people identify Jesus as like a, a figure of peace, the prince of peace, and as someone to emulate, who rather than killing, died rather than harming, took harm on himself, gave himself rather than hurt others. And Jesus said in John's gospel, this is before he uh, was going, going to leave his disciples, he says, peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. This gift that he's giving, and he even clarifies, is like, I, I don't give as the world gives, like this peace is very specific, it's not artificial peace, it's my peace. Then we hear in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5, in this famous sermon that Jesus preached, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. So there's a blessing given to people who seek this sort of peace that Jesus gives, that you're blessed if you're a person who seeks peace. Right before that, Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. And we can kind of link those two things together. The, the people who are pure in heart, the kind, compassionate, holy ones, are the ones who seek peace. Blessed are they. And then in Galatians, this letter that one of Jesus' followers wrote, he lists these fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, they're called. These things that if you follow Jesus and root your life in him, you'll grow these particular fruit. And one of those fruits is peace. But if you follow Jesus and peace isn't an outcome of that, you kind of then reassess where you're at. Like, am I really rooting my life in this person? Because my fruit doesn't look like that fruit. And then last in Romans, uh, Paul uh, talks about peace as well. And he wishes peace in Romans 12 on those who are reading this letter. And he says, don't pay anyone for evil. Uh, Don't repay anyone evil for evil. And he also goes on to say, so much as it depends on you, so much as it depends on you, seek peace with one another. It's a charge that Paul gives. So much as it depends on you, and there's kind of rooted in that an assumption. Like some of the reasons that we don't experience peace in our lives might have to do with us. And that's not true all across the board. There may be reasons we don't experience peace, whatever sort of peace that is because of other people or the external circumstances we find ourselves in, but so much as it depends on you, seek peace with one another. It begs the question, though, I think, what is peace? Uh, We talked about this when we talked about the Sabbath. The, The Hebrew word for peace is shalom, has this idea of completeness or wholeness or rest, to be at peace. We use that even in our own common language. To be at peace means to be at rest. We're not anxious or afraid of anything. We're at peace. But what's the thing about peace politically, too, or peace societally in the world? There's never been for years and years and years a, a year with total peace. We experience that in our own lives. 
as uh, one of my friends, Josh, he's a pastor in the Pacific Northwest, he says that um, uh, the, the motto, the, the Latin motto of America is e pluribus unum. And he says, there's a lot of pluribus, but not a lot of unum. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of many, but not a lot of oneness. And that's a sort of peace that we long for. Or maybe you describe yourself this way. I know other people describe themselves this way, that you feel like a duck paddling. On the surface of the lake, it seems peaceful, but under the surface, you're paddling like crazy. A sort of personal, maybe even artificial peace. And it reminds me of a time, my very first job in ministry was to be a prison chaplain. That was the first time I was ever like considered a minister, was a prison chaplain, at a women's prison in North Georgia, Alto, Georgia, called Lee Arendale State Prison. At the time, they had a woman there named Kelly Gissendanner, was the only person, only woman on death row in America at the time. Uh, and part of the job, and I, knowing we had the screen, I could have shown a picture of what I looked like back then, like desperately needed a haircut, uh, didn't have the right nice clothes to go into a prison, did not look like a prison chaplain, did not have it all together, uh, frankly. And what we would do is we'd go sit in the dormitories, uh, just kind of general population, and wait for these incarcerated women to come talk to us. And the first rule that our head chaplain gave us was, do not ask them why they're in there. <laughs> um, which I didn't. I followed the rules. I like rules. Uh, didn't matter. That was usually the first thing they told you. Like, hi, I'm so-and-so, and this is what I did, you know? Uh, and there was a woman that I kind of struck up a friendship with who I talked to every single day. And she loved to ask me questions about the Bible, and I was in seminary, so I was learning a lot, and I also thought I knew everything. Uh, and uh, also, it was just like, you know, they didn't get to visit with people from the outside very much, so it was a fresh face for her, and I got to learn about her life and hear about her children and where she was from, and she got to hear about me, and I got to tell her stories about my life. And one day I went in to talk with her, and uh, she wasn't the same as she typically was. And we started talking, and she was like, do you pray for me? And I said, yes, of course I pray for you. And she said, you know, do you feel like prayer works? Yes, I feel like prayer works. And she said, okay, I read in the Bible that when we pray, we're supposed to find peace I don't feel any peace. And I think about that time a lot, not just in thinking about peace, but I think about her. Like, we tell people, as a pastor, I tell people, maybe as a Christian, you tell other people, like, if you pray, you'll find peace, you'll be at rest. And even when I say that out loud, I know that there's often been times, like my friend in Lee Arendale State Prison, where, where I've prayed, and I've prayed, and i prayed for peace, and to be at ease in the world, and I look at the things around me, and I look at the, the global conflicts and everything else, and I'm like, it's not working, <laughs> There isn't peace. This peace that Jesus says, I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. This peace I give to you, this peace I leave with you. Blessed are the peacemakers. So much as it depends on you, seek peace. There isn't peace. I don't feel any peace like my friend in prison. And that's when I read this vision in Isaiah, I actually kind of chuckle. There's some kind of comical images of uh, what this peaceable kingdom, they call it, looks like. And the most comical images, of course, are these, these animals together. And so this week I was like, okay, this specific vision, of course some artists have gotten a hold of it, and so I had some. And the screen is up, so I wanted to utilize it, of course. Uh, some images of this peaceable kingdom. So let's show some of those. Ah, uh, how quaint. <laughs> Very nice. A little child will lead them, you know, uh, kind of cute. Uh, this is like, my grandma could have this, you know. Uh, what's, that, what's the next one we have here? Oh, I love this one. It's kind of like a funky mural of the Peaceable Kingdom. Uh, a little cartoonish, and they're like, the alligator has a ball cap on. Uh, they're just hanging out. Peaceable Kingdom, I could get down with that. What was the next one we had? What's wrong with their faces? 
<laughs> and also the irony that there's some pilgrims and some native indigenous people over there uh, as a vision of peace. One, oh, look how nice. It's so nice. Uh, and then a little child will lead them, and the leopard doesn't seem stoked, nor does the lion, you know. Uh, <laughs> A little child will lead them. They're like, I don't know if I want to be led by a little child. Uh, oh, and then I think the next one is my personal favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone will drink with the lion and the lamb. You know, just this kind of chill vibe, you know, sitting at the bar, you know, your woes before the bartender. Um, yeah. Did I have another one or was that it? I think that was it. Yeah, just the... the the lion and the lamb. Uh, the vision is so specific, and I, you know, I kind of question. I have a question about this, and we use this imagery a lot. The the lion and the lamb. The lion will lie down with the lamb. The 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 wolf, and then uh, we were talking this week with the staff about. There's a baby, and he puts his hand over in the CEB that we read today over the snake's hole, but in other translation, it's the asp, and you gotta be like really really careful when you say he puts his hand over the asp hole. Um, <laughs> pardon me, uh, and. Uh, this is a specific vision. It's led by a child. There's these animals that don't go together or are now hanging out together, getting drinks together, apparently, and they're being led by children. The vision is so specific. And in reading, like, ancient Christians, what they thought about this picture, they often spiritualize it and said, this isn't just about the generality of creation, that, yes, one day all creation will be as it was in the Garden of Eden, and all the animals will get along, and they won't hunt each other. They'll be together in peace they also spiritualized us to say, like, we know lion people and we know lamb people. We know leopard people and wolf people and asp people. Uh, and they will all live together in harmony. That that's the specific vision that Isaiah is painting. That this, this, this garden, this place, this kingdom that we're all pointing ourselves toward, that Jesus is inviting us to with his life, is creation inclusive. It's holistic. It's animal kingdom and people kingdom. It's all of creation will find itself in peace. It's universal. Those images paint maybe a funny picture for us, but the absurdity, I think, is the beauty of it. It's so absurd because it's so unlike the world we find ourselves in. And maybe that's enough to answer what is Jesus' invitation? What is Isaiah's vision? It's like, God's kingdom is so unlike the kingdoms of this world, is ruled by someone so unlike the rulers of this world. In fact, it's a child. This kingdom is so unlike what you expect the kingdom should be, who should have power, what power should be like. It's so upside down. It's as if a lion is lying down with a lamb. It's so different. There's a Christian hymn and a song that I really love. I think it's really beautiful. Uh, Let there be peace on earth. And the next part of that stanza is, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. I think that's the other facet of this invitation. As Paul said in Romans, so much as it depends on you, seek to live in peace with one another. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Pete Scazzaro is a pastor in New York City and an author, and he wrote this book called uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which I really recommend to many of you. Not, I, you know, I realize as I say that out loud, like, not for any particular reason do I recommend it to you, <laughs> Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, but all Christians should read it, some more than others. Let those who have ears hear. Uh, and maybe a good Christian, like, uh, stocking stuffer, I don't know. Uh, the, the thing that Pete says is the biggest obstacle to our spiritual and emotional health is our self-will. And I hear that and I kind of wrestle with it, and I think, like, no, it's not. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, it is. <laughs> 
the biggest thing in the way of me finding peace in my own life, may, there may be external circumstances, of course, and we find ourselves in a very privileged, privileged position where we live today. But maybe the biggest obstacle in me finding inner peace, finding that lion lying down with the lamb in my heart, finding that disposition that Jesus invites us to, that peacefulness that he desires for us, is myself, is my own self-will, that I'm in the way, that I actually don't desire that sort of peace that I don't desire my world to be turned upside down, that I don't desire to be holistic. Like, I want peace at home, I want peace in my family life, I want peace individually, but I don't want peace at work, I want to win, you know? (laughs) Or I I don't want peace in my political persuasion, I want to win. Or I don't want peace with my neighbor who keeps mowing his yard and doing stuff to my plants, you know, I want to win. That maybe it's true that the biggest obstacle we have is our self-will and so much as it depends on us that's the terrifying thing so much as it depends on us we should seek to live at peace with one another and we're so motivated i think to not seek peace i want to land here if it does depend on us at least in some capacity to seek to live at peace with one another and to take a small step closer to that vision that isaiah paints for us is for us to think about it in three different ways. First, let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. Second, for the three feet around us, kind of this circle that the people that we touch and encounter in our work and our life and our neighborhood and our city, the three feet around us, and then we can from there go to society and the world. I think the most radical thing a Christian can do, a person that follows Jesus can do, is to have a meal with another person, is to come to this table as we do every week here, is to, shameless plug, have tacos after worship on Sunday morning. (laughs) That's a radical thing because I know, because I know some of you are on opposite ends of the political spectrum or have internal conflict with one another or from different backgrounds or don't agree with one another about this or that or that one thing or the other. But one thing that we can all center ourselves around is this person, is this vision of this kingdom. Though I think if we all dug down deep, we could say like, yeah, I do want that. (laughs) That does sound nice. I do want the world turned upside down so we can live in this peaceable kingdom together. I think we're being invited to live a a life that's radical, not in a way that's like, I'm just going to make trouble to make trouble for trouble's sake, (laughs) but that it's a radical thing to share a meal. It's a radical thing to buy an ornament that supports people exiting human trafficking. It's a radical thing to work on a farm with refugee women over in A-Leaf. It's a radical thing to receive communion next to a person maybe you had an argument with the day before. It's a radical thing to come to the table and set aside all the things that make you want to be divided from everyone else to seek the pluribus and not the unum. (laughs) It's a radical thing. And I I don't don't want you to leave here and be like, I took communion, solidarity. Like, I'm a radical revolutionary now, you know? But I do want you to think that uh, this table... This community, this place, this season is an invitation for us to live in the world in a different way. And to say, you know, I think the, the, the push and pull is for me to maybe hate even, or divide, or argue, or uh, separate, or to categorize, and to rather choose this vision. To like, you know, I'm a lion person, you're a lamb person, but we can befriend one another. We can have a drink together. You know, uh, I I can choose to think that you're a dangerous person and that you're kind of destroying the way that we live our life. (laughs) But I'm going to choose to believe that God sees you the same way he sees me. Choose to believe this is an invitation. And whether you enter into it or not, 
is the place that our world is going. That whether we want to participate in it or not, God will reconcile all things with or without you. And my hope, my choice, my decision for us as a community is for us to say we want to step into that. We want our city to catch glimpses of a lion laying down with a lamb. We want to catch glimpses of people laying down their weapons and befriending one another. We want to see people who are on opposite ends of whatever spectrum you want to choose, sharing a meal together, arm in arm, face to face, heart to heart, eye to eye. That's the invitation. Some of us, I think, are a little more visual. I'm one of those people. And as you come into the lobby, you'll see some art hanging in the um, lobby there above the welcome desk. And it's from an artist named Scott Erickson, really incredible artist. And he painted this uh, in response to the um, text that we read today. That from the root of Jesse, there will be a new branch. And from that branch, new life comes. Sometimes it's not just from the root of Jesse. Sometimes it says from the stump. (laughs) Because this is a people who had been divided, who had been categorized, who had been laid to waste. And Isaiah is daring enough to say, this isn't how it ends. This isn't what God desires for you ultimately. This isn't the picture of the kingdom that God has created. God isn't like, I like a garden of stumps, please. God says, I see new life springing up from things that seem like there's no hope in them. So if we hear anything else today, if I hear anything else today from this passage, from this little child that will lead us when we come to Christmas Eve, it's this, that from the stump of our life, whatever that is, a broken relationship, a failure or shame that we feel in ourselves, the, the hopelessness that we may feel, the vision that we have for our future, a relationship that's broken, whatever you can categorize as the stump that's just kind of sitting in the middle of your life, God can and is desiring and will and is inviting us to see new life form from it as a glimpse of that kingdom, this cast out horizon before us, that death isn't the end, that new life forms. That division isn't the end, but unum is the end, one. God is seeking to make all things one. And so much as it depends on you, for the love of God, seek to live at peace with one another. We're going to practice that today when we come to the table. Because out of this broken loaf, we who are many become one. Out of our variety of experiences, we come together and say yes and receive this grace that's offered to all people, whether they're here or not. We come to this table, we hear the good news that God desires to be with us and is drawing us to himself. And he says, you're part of this vision that I'm casting for all of the world. You're a facet of it. Will you join me in it? Will you co-garden this new kingdom with me? Will you? Despite your preference, desire, whatever feel you have boiling up within your heart, connect with love, care for, lock arms with, Seek peace with everyone. So much as it depends on you. It doesn't all depend on you. But so much as it does, let's do it together. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. God, we know there is no peace without you. We also know that without you, we can't, and without us, you won't. So invite us into participating, into creating that garden, building that kingdom, seeing this picture come to pass, where peace, whatever it means for each of us, is what rules and reigns, where reconciliation is the standard, 
where love and compassion is what's regular and normal. We who are many make us one. We who are divided bring us together. Out of whatever stump of our life we brought into this place today, help us see that you are growing something new within each of us, individually and collectively. We're drawn by this vision you've given us. We thank you for that invitation. Now draw us to your table that we might experience your fresh grace, your love, your peace anew that we might carry it into the world. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.